I've never really felt ashamed or uh, need, needing to hide my um, mental health state from people, except when I was doing my general practice work, when I often felt pretty bleak. Um, uh, but I mean, it was, I was concentrating on the work at the time. But I mean, there were times when I felt I needed to share stuff, which I couldn't. And I was on medication that made me feel quite extraordinary at times. And I was sitting there with all these incredible physical changes in my automatic nervous system and my pulse going up and feeling like I've got a piston going up in my head. And it was very odd, but I managed to concentrate through all of that. And then my medicine changed to something more modern and life was a lot more e lot easier. But that, that really, I think, was the, was the only time, you know, as, as a doctor, when I had to be, obviously, with the consultations, you know, confidential. But, I mean, I, my personal experience of major depression was very sudden and started on a, on a particular day. And a lot of doctors have found it very difficult to believe my story. So I, I insist on my, on, the right, on my right as a patient, as a person, to, to say it as I experienced it, however uncomfortable that makes people feel. Um, and it made a lot of doctors feel uncomfortable because I'd done a lot of medical meetings with doctors and um, doctors are, you know, a lot of doctors right now are in a pretty poor state. Our workforce now is in a pretty poor state. And, and mentally it's having a huge, COVID is having a huge impact on people. So it's exaggerating an awful lot of the effects of, of mental illness and mental unwellness, um, as well as actually forcing a lot of these issues to be discussed, which is a great thing because you know, once we get it out of our systems and don't have that huge piston going, <laughs> going up inside us, the pressure releases and uh, it's, it's, it's enormous relief, um, I would say. And I used to try and help people that I saw as a doctor having similar experiences to be as open as possible with their friends. I mean, the hardest people of all were employers because people were obviously petrified of losing their job or being made fun of by certain cruel friends. So we used to go through strategies and tactics for, for addressing that. But it meant because they were being open and honest with themselves that they could be open and honest with others. And actually, I mean, denial is an important coping mechanism because we often get into situations where we have to kid ourselves that everything's just dandy. But, you know, when you've got depression or major anxiety or, you're, you know, you're psychotic, then, then it's very difficult because all the bodily's arousal mechanisms are fired up. So, you know, there's great levels of anxiety. And I, mean, I think that's the other thing, really, that, that a lot of these conditions go beyond just feeling it in our heads. There's an awful lot of involvement of our overall biology. So people get, you know, palpitations and feel very, very, very anxious. Um, get, you know, quite wild swings in blood pressure and, you know, also flushing and all sorts of other things, feeling tired all the time, bad dreams, not sleeping well. I mean, just every bodily system is affected because, of course, we are all connected internally. And... Um, the other thing I tried to help people see was to understand the physical nature of our mentality, that our, in my view, our mental functions are developed and delivered by processes that are just as physical as every other one in the body, and that we need to start moving beyond having mental and physical health sitting separately from one another. They're absolutely combined. And I mean, you know, a lot of the people who are dying early of COVID um, the same systems in the biology, these cytokine activations of all the inflammatory transmitters in the body uh, cause exactly the same effects that and following exactly the same path as people who are living lives in chronic distress uh, in, you know, in, in, in the context of generalized in, inequality in the country. It's huge. And I mean, Professor Michael Marmot's been highlighting this. I mean, people die 15 to 20 years sooner.
you know, if they have a psychotic illness um, 15 to 20 years sooner and lots of people who are obviously leading lives in very core areas and deprived areas will also die sooner and that's biology that's not um you know i don't think i ever felt uncomfortable talking about my depression once i'd lived it for three to six months i got to the point where i thought i can't well i didn't keep it from my friends i didn't keep it from my family and as I got better, um, it became an important part of my, you know, clinical practice. Um, I didn't say to people that I was depressed specifically, but I mean, what came out in terms of helping them was a lot of my own experience. So I was able to give people reassurance without them knowing that I'd been personally been ill, but I was able to offer hope of recovery, which we now know is a major engine of that recovery. If the therapists are better at at um, transmitting that hope recovery, then the results are much better. I was off work um, for three for six months when I was ill. Um, I couldn't cope with work at all. And when I came back to work, my partners were brilliant because I had a staged return to work. And that influenced me in terms of my helping people back to work from whatever caused myself as a doctor. I mean, the feelings were awful and um, massive anxiety. I mean, an agitation like I'd never experienced before because you get all the anxiety that you'd normally have in a month. It just comes in one sort of biochemical wallet and then you feel exhausted. I mean, sort of panic attack type thing, really. It's sort of automatic nervous system, absolutely on overdrive. But I was able to use a lot of the other stuff that I experienced and, and I was able to give that back as a doctor to people as, as, as neutral information. They didn't know that it was coming from my own personal experience. But I was able to highlight things to people before they actually told me. Um, and I think you may have found that it's quite powerful when you actually, without being over, overbearing about it, but when you predict something for somebody and they say, oh, you have that as well. Mm. I mean, I've had it just over the last couple of days in a couple of conversations on the phone um, where people have said, oh, it's such a relief um, that, you know, somebody else has had what I'm having. And I've said that myself to a couple of people over the last week. You know, I have been greatly helped by the fact that they've said to me, oh, I've had this and that. And I thought, oh, crikey, I've had that as well. I coped by being off work. I coped by taking medication. I coped because I had a fantastic psychiatrist uh, and a community psychiatric nurse. And in those days, you were allotted personally. You didn't have great, the whole kind of community mental health team altogether deciding who they're going to see. You had one person as the chief psychiatrist, three or four CPNs, and they would decide very quickly who was going to see whom. Or the referring GP would say, well, I think they'd like to see Rebecca or they'd be, this person would be better off with John. So, I mean, that was in the days when general practice and primary care was much more relationally based. People had continuity of care. I mean, I looked after people, some people for 20, 25 years. So that's important mm. um, because a lot of the complicated things in life, especially when we've got issues like, you know, issues with behavior or our upbringings or damaged us or whatever, you can't sort those out in eight minutes. And one of the worst things to do is actually have people going back to tell yet another therapist who they've never met before and then they're never going to meet again. You know, a whole horrible story about how you were abused as a child. Because, I mean, going through the memory actually actually activates all the biology that go with that memory. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's something here, and the COVID is again coming back to this, that we are all relational beings. And our quality of our relationships really matters to our physical state, to our biology. And, um, 
you know, COVID is showing us this, how important it is that we are, you know, we are all in it together. And if you haven't got a government who can keep everybody feeling like they're all together and we've lost the plot in terms of education and people actually feeling, you know, this uh, this is their domain and I am me and I'm going to do what I jolly well like, you know, you, you lose the ability to lead a population of people because you people lose confidence in you. My depression was some years ago um, and... Um, what happened most recently was two or three years ago, my mother and my brother um, died in the same year. And that left me feel, feeling pretty, you know, I'm an, I was the only child after that, left me feeling very exposed and I could feel myself starting to get depressed again. Um, my wife's Australian and we've been out to Australia a lot of times and I was very impressed indeed by what they've done with their men's sheds over there. And I thought, you know, I know what I'll do because I'll be better if I'm active because being passive for me is just killer so i thought now i'll get active and i i so i set up a the men's shed in in teddington um sheddington and i mean we're i think we're doing as well as anybody possibly could you know we've got a core of t sort of 10 people we've got about 25 to 30 people we had when we when we sort of went into lockdown um and we've got about 120 people who follow us on facebook and it, all of what we're doing you know putting in funding bids thinking about how we kind of run the organization safely and according to the law you know it's all been very challenging um uh, we've, all, we've all taken a hit um as have the people who can't be as closely physically associated with us as, we, as we'd like to be but we'll get there and uh you know because the men's sheds movement for me is well it is a movement it's all part and parcel of all the things that are going to need to have to change about the way we run things in a top-down imperial country with the sovereign. I think a lot of that's got to change. I think it's got to be a lot more bubble up social action at local and neighborhood level, which is where we actually really connect and where we can make changes.